Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the definitive developers podcast in fantabulous Chelsea, Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez. Our co-host today, Dave Anderson. And our producer, William Jeffries. And today we'll be talking about diversity and inclusiveness. Yeah, it's not just important for your daily breakfast intake. It's mm-hmm. something that's important <laughs> in the workplace as well. And they're not the same thing, contrary to popular belief. Awesome. Before we continue, we have a guest here with us today, Derek Parham. Derek is the CTO of Jor. How's it going, Derek? Good. Thank you for having me on the show. Very excited to talk about this topic. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how this is a special topic for you to discuss. Yeah, I'm the CTO at Jor right now. But before this, I was the deputy CTO on the Hillary campaign, where I actually learned a lot about diversity and inclusiveness, both how they are similar, how they are different, one only works with the other, and basically how to do build a tech team that incorporates both of these things in together. That's awesome. So what what is the difference between diversity and inclusiveness? Or should we start with like just one diversity or inclusiveness? What, we're- I recommend actually saying them together. It should always really be diversity and inclusiveness. To me, diversity is really the concept that people are have different ideas in the room. And then mm-hmm. inclusiveness is the ability for those ideas to flourish. Mm. Cool. So it's, it's peanut butter and jelly. You don't want it apart you do not want without you do not want one without the other because if even if you had a large diversity of ideas unless people listen to them and sort of let them be heard then you don't get any of the benefits of the diversity of the ideas yeah you had a metaphor that i really liked which was that diversity is inviting people to the ball and inclusiveness is asking them to dance oh okay yeah i like that metaphor a lot that that really makes it pretty clear for me Question. So, have you seen have you seen one without the other at the workplace and what are some common signs of that? Sure. A lot of people will sort of hear diversity and inclusiveness and think that just simply means hire more women on your tech team or mm-hmm. hire minorities. Diversity actually includes a lot of different things in there. It's a diversity of age groups where people have different job experiences. It's diversity of socioeconomic backgrounds. So people might have different real life experiences. So you can actually have a group of people which are all males, but still have a diverse workplace that's going on. Gender diversity is a very important thing because both men and women have different points of view, but it doesn't only mean one aspect of diversity. There's a lot of different things. So when you look at it, you really want to look for people that both have a different look physically and different backgrounds. And that's how you get your different ideas. Mm, yeah, which which uh, again, like kind of feel, feeds into the thing that you're working on together and makes it a stronger, more cohesive whole like as a benefit. Right? Like if if you give me an idea and we don't have an inclusive environment, you came up with a new idea because you, you know, have a new way of making a pizza or something like that. Mm-hmm. I should be willing to listen to how you make this new pizza invention. <laughs> right. Maybe a sushi pizza? Maybe a sushi pizza. <laughs> Let's talk about sushi pizza. And this could be a wonderful uh, new invention. But if I'm dismissive of this new idea, oh man, sushi pizza. William, would you enjoy that? Absolutely not. Oh, no, guys. This, this hurts. <laughs> then, then this might never come to fruition and we would never get to experience the sushi pizza. Yeah. And the world will be worse for it, I think. So like, that's the big difference between diversity and inclusiveness. Diversity is really you came up with this fantastic idea of sushi pizza. <laughs> and inclusiveness you. is that William was willing to try it. I, I'm actually 100% down for this, guys. 
<laughs> Sushi pizza startup after this. Yeah. Let's go. I'm getting pretty hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, diverse teams build better products. I guess diverse and inclusive teams build better products, I should say. Yeah, inclusiveness. There's a lot of different ways that you can sort of make that happen and look for that. One interesting metric is look at how many of your ideas are coming from your junior developers. So do you only have senior developers giving ideas into your project or do developers say their ideas? If they don't actually say their ideas, then they might not have an inclusive environment to work in. So that's why they're just not speaking up. So there are some interesting metrics you can look at. Diversity, you can look at gender breakdown numbers and stuff like that. But in terms of inclusiveness, you want to look at how willing people are to speak up in your environment. So it sounds like an inclusive environment also has a degree of like kind of bottom-up organization where it's not just like coming from the top where like obviously you're going to have less diversity because there's less people at that level. But you know, also from from people who are like experiencing the day-to-day things, operations on the ground. Yeah, I think inclusive environments and diversity have to be priorities at the top. And people have to be talking about it. They have to say this is important and why it's important. But it's the day-to-day that makes that happen. It's somebody not being dismissive during a, you know, a brainstorming session or a design review. It's someone trying to really get a new idea out of somebody that might be like looking to say something but isn't really comfortable yet. It really just takes like eight hours a day worth of work to create this environment. It's a a full-time job for everybody on the team. So it's not a one leader type of thing. This is really a tech team culture. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's, that's an interesting point. I I feel like I really like that idea about like, you know, junior developers also have something to contribute because like things change so quickly in the tech scene. Someone who has been around for a long time and has experience in like kind of general things and, you know, overall domain expertise may not be completely aware of all of the new ideas that are coming to to light. Like it's really totally possible for a junior developer to be like an expert in like one particular thing or have like one particular blog post that they saw that really may change the perspective of the whole team. Yeah, exactly. And without an inclusive environment, people aren't listening to it. Really big thing you want to prevent with tech teams is groupthink, where you're only building one thing at one time. The really funny part is senior developers almost always tend towards that to start with, where if you only hired people that did one thing one way, like only hired people from formal CS educations or only hired people from Google or Facebook or Twitter, they will only solve things in those sort of big ways. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you need people in there that haven't seen that and haven't done it before just to create those different discussions. Yeah, that's something I really like about the New York tech scene in particular is that there is kind of a diversity of background in the people who are are getting into the field. Uh, maybe more so than the the West Coast. I've I've not worked out there myself, but like I, I have friends who have spent years out there, and it seems like there's a lot of people who are like very strong in tech and very tech minded, but like uh, maybe are co- all coming from a very similar background. Yep. Or especially when you're forming a team, only wanting to form a team with a certain set of people. So only people that were in the top one percent of their schools or only have certain experience in this certain one technology. That isn't actually how you build diversity. You want to be bringing in people that are coming in with all ranges of experiences. Yeah, I like that point too about like a, a different background technology because like I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, but like if you're 
only working in Python and you've, you've worked in Python for years and this is the way that people do things in Python and you don't even want to give another language the time of day, then you might not benefit from exp- the exposure of ideas like something like uh, working in a functional language like Clojure or Elixir might kind of benefit you. Like knowing about like asynchronous programming and how you might apply that might not be even a thing because like it's very new that Python can even do asynchronous programming. And questionable on how well it does it. <laughs> Different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question. So suppose there is a manager who's currently listening and senior developers not being inclusive or not allowing any inclusivity to... Is that even a word? That's sure. a word, right? Yeah. And it, it is, is now. now. So it is now. <laughs> the inclusivity of a junior developer's idea is that something that the manager would then step in and have a one-on-one with the senior about how that person should be exposed to more of their ideas? Like, how does that conversation go? That's a great question. And there's sort of two tactics, or I'll say three tactics. One is first, you want the top, the leadership to be saying what diversity and inclusiveness is, and this is important to us. It's pers- it's important to me personally. So you lay the groundwork. Secondly is when you discuss inclusiveness, you actually want to make it visible in terms of highlighting when someone was not particularly inclusive. Now, you don't want to do it in a negative way unless that is warranted. But for instance, in that manner, let's say the senior engineer was dismissive or not listening to a junior engineer's idea. During that meeting, you can say, actually, I want to hear from you know, insert, you know, junior developer's name, please speak up. That shows from the top how important that is. And then in the one-on-one, like you mentioned, you, you create the feedback loop. You say, hey, I'm pretty sure you did not mean to do this. This almost touches on the topic of unconscious bias or unconscious actions where people will just do things by habit. Right. You assume that the person didn't do it on purpose and you get them to realize, hey, this probably made this person feel dismissed. And you get them to realize what that action was. So the next time, they will actually be the one looking for it. You actually task them. Now I want you to watch when other people do that. Mm, Okay. So by leading by example, by showing the people around you to include your junior developers when an idea has been given allows other senior developers or people who may not be inclusive to other individuals to be on the lookout for that particular opportunity. And knowing that diversity and inclusiveness is important to the company, then whether they're not a particularly or whether they don't find that important is probably a question for them as to whether they want to continue in the workplace that or in that particular company or not. Yeah, definitely. That goes into the concept of, you know, hiring for inclusiveness, making sure people that get through your hiring funnel sort of follow some of these, you know, values. One thing I would call out though, it's dismissiveness doesn't always come from a senior developer to a junior. This actually sometimes gets based on gender, where men are dismissive of women, they will talk over them take their ideas or explain their own ideas to them. One exercise I like to do with groups when I do talks on this topic is actually ask everyone to raise their hands. When was the last time you felt dismissed in a meeting and did not speak up for yourself? Uh, And then you start going backwards from 30 days, seven days, three days, one day. And really quickly, uh, the men have their hands raised and then it goes down. And then almost always, most of the women will have their hands raised. When did it happen today? Mm. Wow. Wow. 
That's that's a pretty powerful exercise right there. Everyone go ask your female coworkers. I'm pretty sure they'll tell you. Oh, wow. <laughs> Not in an accusatory way. This is just, right. hey, New Yorkers, we're also disruptive and interrupt each other. This yeah. is the way we are. <laughs> I remember I was on a project and there was a a developer there who I was concerned was not being included. And I started counting the number of times that people looked at her in meetings. And it was almost none. It was like she was literally invisible. Like, no wonder she wasn't contributing to the conversation. It was because nobody ever passed her to the attention. You know, when you're in a conversation and and you can kind of tell who's supposed to speak next because people are, you know, passing the attention. They're sort of looking at the person. I had even gotten in the habit of not looking at her. And so I just started calling on her in meetings and saying, hey, what do you think? And I, I found that really changed my perspective. And I think it started it started a change in the group. You bring up a fantastic topic. Um, if I threw a term around that, I would call it sponsorship. Where mm. There's a difference between people's talk about sponsorship and mentorship. Mentorship is like sitting down and teaching a person and helping them out. Sponsorship, uh, Laura Hogan, who has done a lot of interesting topics on this, I learned this stuff from her. And, and she really talks about how sponsorship is picking a person and helping support them, but not necessarily making it obvious. You know, you can pick a person silently and just say, I'm going to highlight them. I'm going to ask for them opin- their opinions in meetings or maybe on Slack when there's a conversation, who's best to work on this project? Be like, hey, this person knows how to tackle that. Again, this is independent of gender. This is just somebody you want to, to level up where they might not do it on their own. Mm-hmm. And the group subconsciously might not be picking them up. I'm good mm-hmm. to have a label for these things. Yeah. Now I can, now I can Google it. I want to learn more you about it. You said Laura Hogan? Yeah, Laura Hogan. She's great. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Hi, Laura, right. if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> That's the All goal. Right. We'll, we'll try goal. to Google some uh, good links and put them in there in the show notes. When diversity and inclusiveness is important to the company, there may be some rough times that you may have to fire an individual. What are some of the... Have, has that ever been a case for you where you had to speak somewhat, where you had to speak to someone about their lack of inclusivity or their mindset where they weren't being um, weren't able to let other people share their thoughts what do you have you ever been in that situation before we've tried our best to hire for this beforehand before having to terminate someone for that so typically if you're terminating for lack of inclusiveness then there's other sort of bad smells going for it right but in terms of making sure you're hiring people that focus on inclusivity. There's a number of tactics that we've actually focused on. We found actually by adding diversity to your interview panel, you can see and get interesting red flags from candidates that are coming through. So I don't know if um, William or Dave, you've noticed that Jor, whenever we have interviews, we always make sure there's at least two women on our interview docket. And we also make sure there's always one woman in a one-on-one, and there's always a two-on-one with the candidate. And what we've actually found is that different personality profiles that might not be inclusive will react differently to the one-on-one versus the two-on-one. So you can notice if someone's dismissive of women, if during the two-on-one, the woman asks a question, and then the candidate answers the male. Mm. William, I know you're doing an interview today. I don't know if you noticed that of our candidate. Yeah. Well, so actually the candidate was fine. <laughs> but I, I noticed this Thumbs in up. the interview process in the past. I think it's really smart. Stride doesn't actually do any two-people interviews, but it's a thing that I plan to suggest. 
And the one-on-ones really help highlights also if the person is able to engage with the person on the other side of the table. So we've had some candidates that react well when one gender is in the room, but as soon as you remove that gender, those candidates don't react the same. And that's like mm-hmm. some aspects of inclusiveness that you catch early on is, does someone act differently based on whom they are talking to? Interesting. And I guess like also like part of the diversity of the interview process also is like talking to people who are technical, talking to people who are non-technical, like people are coming from different perspectives and mindsets. Exactly. And you also get this benefit while you're building the team of when you show your you ha- your team is diverse, then diverse candidates want to join you more often. So a lot of tech folks as they're building their team are like, how do I go build diversity? I just don't get the candidates at the top of the funnel and people don't join when I make them offers. What you need to do is actually show them diversity of your team. So if you have all males on your team, well, try and find some designers or product managers or customer service folks or whomever, advisors, whoever is in your circle that can come sort of provide diversity, a diverse opinion of that candidate and show that candidate you care about it. But if you are, you know, a woman candidate and you meet five very nice smart males, you won't necessarily think of that company as the the peak of diversity inclusiveness of terms of a culture just on the surface of it. It might be, but you still need to show that. Right. Mm. Yeah. I like that idea of like kind of using the interview process as a way to showcase like what you care about as a company, even if it's not like outright said like hey today we're going to showcase to you jor or whatever <laughs> actually i think people should talk about it you i'm think happy so? to okay. i'm, I'm happy to talk about it here i'm happy to talk it wherever i'll tell candidates this is exactly what we do because mm-hmm. part of this is diversity and inclusiveness is an important thing to us and we're trying some tactics yeah. so like i'm happy to show you our team and you can ask them about these topics and but it's the fact that we're taking these efforts i think is the most important part yeah because we're also gonna be making lots of mistakes here and there but as long as you're talking about it and say that's an important thing to you then that allows people to see that and then have a dialogue about it mm. that's where i really really think that the tech industry needs to get going is we don't necessarily have all the answers here, but we should at least have a vocab and we should at least be discussing the topics. So I guess we talked a lot about like how the interview process happens on the day of. How do you, are there any techniques that you've found work really well for improving like the top of the funnel, just getting like more people into the office to actually interview more quality people? Yeah, top of the funnel is one of the most important things because a lot of people know, and I'll just repeat it here, that you shouldn't lower your hiring bar to get diversity in. Uh, That doesn't help anybody else out. So really, you want to increase the top of the funnel. So the first thing is actually the key is getting outside your network. So your network almost always looks like you or came from the same school as you or has the same interests as you. What you need to do is find ways to get outside your network. One tactic that folks and tech teams can do is actually look at your customers. So take your customer database. So for instance, on the Hillary campaign, we actually looked at our donors and we said, hey, are there any donors here that are software engineers? Because these are suddenly people that are A, outside our network, but secondly, also care about our product. In this case, a political campaign. Mm-hmm. Luckily, when you donate to a political campaign, you put down your, your occupation. So it was really simple. But I can go ping them. But Mm. any B2B or B2C can do the same thing. Go find your customers, people who care about your product, 
and go see if you can link and connect with them. See if they have a brother-in-law or sister-in-law or anyone who's a CS major or has gone to a boot camp and see if they'd be interested in working there. Mm-hmm. So there's tactics of how do you get outside your network. I think that's the most important thing to increase the top of the funnel. So it's like kind of leveraging like LinkedIn second and third connection kind of things you got it or leveraging favors if you are working with your clients and be like, i'll build you this feature if you introduce me to this candidate over here that would be great <laughs> oh man <laughs> hopefully not too much no more features <laughs> <laughs> another interesting thing is actually to update your job postings fun fact that men will apply to jobs that they only meet 25 percent of the requirements of and women typically it's 80 percent So simply Mm. by having your job sort of description say, I require six years of experience versus three, women will sort of filter themselves out. Yeah. So you Mm. won't get them just applying to your job. It's super simple. You just simply go in, look at your job descriptions, remove gender specific language, like referring to users as in with the male pronoun. And then once you lower the job requirements in terms of ages and experience, you can always filter people out later on through the process but you're going to get more candidates in the top of the funnel to go see them. Mm. So then what do you use in deciding which requirements to put in your job description? I mean, so certainly we can lower it, right? But then do we care what stack the person has experience with? Do we care whether or not they have a CS degree? Like, What would you want to put in the job description? That's a good question. At Jor, we actually keep it pretty loose. We tell candidates uh, what our stack is and we look at anyone who applies. Generally, we have our standards of you should be in the job industry for a few years, but we don't necessarily require you come in with experience with our stack because we'll assume that you're a smart person that can learn. This gets into a tough one, uh, but generally it's sort of a filtering process. Are you willing to sort of filter more people after they apply based on uh, qualifications versus having people filter themselves out before they even apply? I'd rather do the first than the Mm -hmm. second. Right, because then then the hiring manager or the hiring group in your company can make that decision as to whether they want to continue moving forward rather than the individual themselves opting out of hiring into the company later. Like It's better for the company to make the decision as to whether they want to continue moving forward with the particular candidate rather than the person themselves opting out of the opportunity of working at this place. You got it. Yeah, you want people to come in and and join in the party and have a slice of pizza. You don't want them to stop at the door because it it looks uh, like a place they wouldn't want to be at. Are the like kind of non-functional parts of the job description important too? Like, I, I know like some companies like have like more like flavor text about the company or like some fun language, or is it mainly like the material like requirements that are more important? don't know. I think there's been some good studies on job descriptions, which we could definitely look at. But thus far, the only stuff I've studied around diversity and inclusiveness uh, goes towards sort of like years of experience versus some of the other things. But it'd be kind of cool to go tie in machine learning and see who applies to a job based on the different wording of Mm. the job description. Who knows if there's something correlated there? Yeah. I remember William did this awesome job description for some some position where it involved cake oh yeah yeah that was a great (laughs) (laughs) it was really interesting the cto there 
had a habit of buying cake for the team whenever there was anything to celebrate, which was funny because she's actually gluten-free, so she never got to eat any of it. <laughs> oh, no. no. <laughs> well, she'd, she'd buy her own cake. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, if I was the one picking up the cake, I would, I would get like a single slice of something gluten-free for her, but it ended up becoming a part of the culture. And so when we were writing up the job description, we wanted to highlight something that made us seem different, and we ended up choosing cake. So that was a requirement in the job description was you had to like cake because we had a lot of it. (laughs) (laughs) We ended up actually getting a lot of comments and a lot of additional applications. We A-B tested it and that did much better than all the other applications that or all the other job postings that we put out. Are we going to get into the discussion of what warrants a cake? Like a sandwich? Oh, no. <laughs> it's a it, controversial topic. And you lay a candle on it without it falling inward. or I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I have to see the diagram of is what a is a cake. Is pizza a cake? Yeah. No, oh, wait. Uh-oh. Ooh, wait. <laughs> you can stick a candle on a pizza. <laughs> this is true. Deep dish, Chicago <laughs> style. Oh, man. You slice it with a knife. I think it's a cake. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. Um, I'm we, have be, we have to be diverse <laughs> to all cakes, whether right. it's a pizza... <laughs> Or a ho-ho. <laughs> right. And can you put pineapple on it? It's the oh, other question. Which is the, the best topping yeah. we've discussed. Yeah. Although, maybe we're not being inclusive enough for people who don't like cake. Maybe maybe we needed to A-B test a, uh, a pizza job description. Oh. Right. Oh, I and do. I think you bring up an excellent example of the main thing is just get people thinking about it. How does this make other people feel? If someone read this and they didn't like cake, how does that make them feel? Maybe they can't have cake for any number of reasons. Yeah. And now they, they feel bad about themselves. That yeah, sucks. Yeah. I, I, I do like that idea uh, of the importance of empathy in the workplace. Uh, like In general, like as a software engineer, you, you have to work with a lot of people in order to get the job done. So, you need to have empathy in your day-to-day. But then also in the, the process of hiring and job description, it's good to keep that in mind. Yeah. And how do you sort of build that into your day-to-day on the team as well, where you start thinking about digging into what people are thinking? So, like another tactic that we use for inclusiveness is um, always try and phrase things as questions instead of statements. So, you know, if you had given, if you state some sort of technical solution to a problem and I immediately respond with, that's not a good idea, that won't scale. Let's say I have some worries about it. Mm. That stinks. You're, you're, you're dismissed. Uh, you're not listen. This is not an inclusive environment. But if instead I respond with, "How will this scale in this particular circumstance or situation?" and you respond back with, "Oh, I thought of that already. It's due to this, and we can include this library." I've suddenly learned a new thing. So this is yeah. how we build better products. Ask questions. Nice. Yeah, that's like kind of like a yes and approach to, uh, you know, design and uh, discussion. Where you never try to shoot down the previous idea because it it shuts down the conversation. It puts people on the defensive. So, Derek, do you have uh, one more idea or piece of knowledge you can share with us about having more diversity and inclusiveness in the organization? Yeah. I mean, one actually really funny thing that uh, a lot of people... Uh, don't realize is a big deal, but sometimes is, is offsite activities. For a lot of startups, they start small and people just happen to go out to the bar or only do one thing or maybe play sports. And suddenly as you grow and you have a more diverse team, uh, not everyone wants to do those activities. So coming up with a diversity of offsite activities, maybe it's some things that are with drinking, some things that are not, some things that are board games sitting around and some are not, some that are physical activities, some that are not. 
But I mean, obviously, I would hope that everyone would be able to circle up around a giant pizza and be able to join in in that activity. Or if there's cake, maybe it's pizza or cake. But as long as you're considering what people want to be doing, then that is all that really matters on this one. And discussing it, asking people, what do you want to do? That creates the best inclusive environment. What are some activities that you do at your? We do a game night. So you can do some board games. We'll go do uh, dodgeball. Dodgeball is super fun. Mm -hmm. Rock climbing, which you all helped organize, (laughs) which was a lot of fun. Yeah. We did pool. That was a good time. Yeah, that's right. There was pool. Karaoke. Oh, also karaoke. (laughs) is always good. Trivia night as well. Trivia. Oh, wow. Just pretty much like five nights a week, you can uh, <laughs> you can <laughs> fill it up, yeah, and just make sure everyone's invited. Make sure everyone feels like they can go join in. You don't want to have uh, clicks in the company. That is uh, that one is really rough. Mm. And is Jor hiring? Jor is hiring. We are hiring both junior and senior developers. Our stack is Django with React and GraphQL in the middle. Mm. Come on down. We'd love to hear from you and chat with you. <laughs> nice, Derek. How can people get in touch with you? Feel free to reach out. I'm Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at joraccess.com, and Jor spelled J-O-O-R. So Derek at joraccess.com. Love to hear from you. And especially if you have some thoughts or lessons learned on diversity and inclusiveness, we're trying to create this conversation, and it uh, needs to keep going. So any lessons learned that people have that they want to share or things that they've seen particularly work well or not work well, I would love to hear about that to incorporate it into the conversations that I'm having with folks. Very cool. Yeah. And we can also keep the conversation going via email if you would like to reach out to Derek or hit us up at twitter.com slash radiofreerabbit. We'd like to hear all sorts of different ways that people can increase diversity and inclusiveness and how it's done in other organizations. So we can also introduce those particular ideas to stride. Let's keep the conversation going on Twitter. Follow us now at Radio Free Rabbit. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review. It helps developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now, however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole. <laughs>